This morning we're going to read from the first letter of Peter. Now Peter's writing is a little bit different from Paul's. It's not quite as smooth, I think, as Paul's writing is. Most of our New Testament is written by Paul, but this is the first letter of Peter. Now I want us to cover most of the first chapter, which is why you can see I've changed around a little bit of what was in your bulletin, and we are going to jump around just a tad. I will tell you when you need to jump down to another verse, but if you are able, you can open up your your pew Bibles, and you can follow along. We are in 1 Peter chapter 1. We will start with verse 3. And if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. Starting with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials so that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy for you are receiving the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls jump down to verse 13 therefore prepare your minds for action discipline yourselves set all your hope on the grace that jesus christ will bring you when he is revealed like obedient children, do not be conformed to the, to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he called you who is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct, for it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Jump down to verse 22. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, Love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The word is the good news that was announced to you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In of you we worship and stand amazed at your great love 
We're changed from glory to glory. We set our hearts on you, our God. Now your presence fills this place. Be exalted in our praise as we worship I believe. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we turn to you this morning. Lord, we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless us with your spirit and with your power while we are here in this place. 
Pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds so that all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. So let's take a moment to talk about discipline. I'll tell you, in Bible study this week, a lot of you guys go to Bible study, and this Sunday is Trinity Sunday, though I'm going to confess next Sunday we're going to have the children's moment for Trinity Sunday because I was... I just didn't want to do two children's moments this week, so next Sunday we're going to have the Trinity Sunday children's moment. But in Bible study this week, we were kind of searching around, doing a bunch of different texts, going off lectionary, looking for different Trinity kind of text. And this text that we read from just at this moment from 1 Peter, it's not that it's, it's super Trinitarian. It talks about Jesus, it talks about the Holy Spirit, and it talks about God, but that's not what really caught my attention that made me really want to preach on this this week. But instead, what caught my attention attention for this Sunday is that word discipline. When Peter calls us to discipline, there was something that just kind of grabbed hold of me, especially on this weekend more than, than even other weekends. But first, let's talk about that word discipline. Discipline is a funny word. Does anybody here like to be disciplined? <laughs> Oh, that would be bizarre. I'll tell you, Walter was telling me the other day after he got home from school that he was frustrated with something that somebody else in his class had done. And I said, oh, well, well did you lose your temper at all? And he looks at me and he goes, mom, no, I would never do that. If I did that, I'd get sent to the principal's office. And what happens if you get sent to the principal's office? You get disciplined. And so he knew, he's, which by the way, that's some serious maturity growth right there. I'm happy about that, that he realized that. Uh, but nobody wants to be disciplined, but being disciplined and having discipline are two very different things. If we are being disciplined, somebody else is disciplining us. But if we have discipline, that's something that we put upon ourselves. And having discipline is actually a really good thing. Let's think about having discipline for just a little bit. Now, I'm a sucker for those sentimental videos that like, you know, if you're scrolling through Facebook or something and you get those sentimental videos, I know you young people use other stuff. I, I scroll through Facebook. And uh, so as I was scrolling through the other day, I saw this, this video where there is this uh, this football player who's receiving a phone call from an NFL team that he's been drafted to that NFL team, and he's surrounded by all of his friends and his family. And when he takes this phone call from the coach, letting him know that he's being drafted uh, by the team, all of his family just like erupts into joyous like celebration as they're all jumping up and down. And he just starts weeping tears of joy. And as I was watching this video, I'm thinking about all the discipline it took for him to get to that point, how much discipline it takes to get to the point where you are healthy enough and strong enough and, and at a place where you can be drafted to a professional team. And I think about all the dreams that are being fulfilled in that moment when they receive that phone call and that joy. It just seems amazing, all of because of the discipline that it took to get to that place. Or let's think even more about discipline. It's Memorial Day weekend, and as I think about discipline, I also think about soldiers, especially at a time of war. Think about how much discipline it must take to go into a war not knowing if you're coming home or not. 
how much discipline it must take to sacrifice your time away from your family and and to sacrifice so much not knowing if you're ever going to make it home. I'm, I'm thinking about walking on the beaches of Normandy and feeling that eerie feeling as you know how many young lives were lost on that beach, how many people, maybe some of your loved ones who never made it home. I'm thinking about all, I think all of us probably know somebody who didn't make it home from a war. I know I do, and I'm looking at you, and I think a lot of you from any of these wars probably know somebody who didn't make it home. It takes so much discipline to put yourself into a place where you're willing to risk your own life and maybe never even make it home. But let's think about discipline in our own lives as well, because most of us are, are not risking our lives in any many, monumental way, or, or many of us are, are not professional athletes who have to know what all that discipline is like. So let's think about discipline in our own lives. All of us, as I'm looking around, we've all been to school before, except for the little one way there in the back. All the rest of us who are over the age of one have been to school. And school takes some serious discipline, doesn't it? The longer that you're in school, not to scare you guys who are young back there, but the longer that you're in school, the more discipline it takes. I remember when I was in college, and I basically majored in in the Jewish rabbi, Dr. Greenwald, when I was in college. He was the most phenomenal professor, and his his tests were hard. I mean, they were so hard. I remember staying up until 5 a.m. one morning, not night anymore, one morning, studying on a test on first and second king because I knew he was going to ask the toughest questions. But one time he told us a story about having a student who took one of his tests and failed. And Dr. Greenwald, just in this sweet rabbi kind of way, said, well, well, did you, did you study for the test? And he goes, no, but I prayed about it. <laughs> Dr. Greenwald's like, God's not going to do all the work for you. You've got to do some of the work too. Being a student takes discipline. What else in our own lives takes discipline? Who here makes sure to do their exercise regularly? Who likes to, maybe, I don't know about the word likes to exercise, but who makes sure to exercise? A lot of us do. Now, I'll tell you, Glenn's the one with his hand in the back. Glenn likes to exercise back there. I'll tell you, I have like a love-hate relationship with exercise. Like, I love to run, and I love to be able to run when I want to run, but there are times where I make myself run, and I have no desire to do it whatsoever. There are times when I make myself go on a run and there's no part of me that wants to at all, but I know that I have to so that when I want to, I will be able to. And that takes a lot of discipline. It takes discipline to make sure that we are able to get the exercise that we need in our lives. But when Peter is talking to us about discipline, he's actually not talking about physical discipline, is he? He's not talking about any sort of physical discipline, but he's talking about spiritual discipline. In this letter, as we're starting to read this letter, the beginning of this first letter of Peter, we're reading and he's telling us that we need to have spiritual discipline, but what in the world does it mean to have spiritual discipline? I'm going to tell you one thing it means to have spiritual discipline is making sure that we are rooting ourselves in our faith. So by the way, great job, friends, with this spiritual discipline of being here or watching online. That's a number one way to have spiritual discipline. But Peter 
talks about our need to have spiritual discipline because the reality is that, that there are struggles in life. The people that Peter was writing to at the time when he was writing, they were going through hard times. They were, they were being ostracized because of their faith. They were going through so much difficulty, and yet he reminded them not to give up. He reminded them that they needed to stay disciplined in their spiritual practices, that they needed to have some spiritual discipline in order to hold on to the hope that was in front of them. And Peter says this line that always gets my attention. It's the one that's right up here. He repeats a line that that comes from Leviticus. Now, I don't know about you, but Leviticus is not my favorite book to open up and just start reading. But when Peter shares this line, it actually sounds nice. He's referring to something that God had said to the Israelite people as as they are wandering through and he uh, wandering through the wilderness and and God reminds the Israelite people, "You shall be holy." for I am holy. And then Peter echoes this line about telling us that we need to practice spiritual discipline. And he tells us that the reason that we need to have spiritual discipline is because we should at least be a little bit holy, right? Because our God is holy. Now, let's just, we hit the next slide for me, Zach? Let's just imagine right now that this thermometer is a holiness thermometer. <laughs> I was thinking in the mind of a thermometer today. Let's imagine that this is a holiness thermometer. If this is a holiness thermometer and we're all like, you know, have an amount of holiness within us, then Jesus is way at the top. Jesus is as holy as holy gets. And you know what? Jesus is the only one all the way there at the top on his own. So Jesus is all the way there on the top of the holy thermometer and the rest of us are like somewhere skewed down below. You know what I mean? Maybe some days you feel a little bit higher on the holy thermometer and other days you're like, oh man, I'm not doing my best. And you feel a little bit low. But what's at the bottom? What, what would you think is exactly the opposite like if we're at like zero on our holiness thermometer, that's going to be like, like where all the selfishness is, isn't it? That's where greed is going to be at the zero part. What else is in? I like this. Somebody else tell me, what else do you think is at the bottom of this holiness thermometer? The opposite of Jesus, the opposite of holiness. What else is at the bottom down there? Gossip. Ooh, that's a good one. What else? Come on, somebody besides Sue. You guys have something in you. I, did you just say patriots? <laughs> I can't hear you. I can't hear you, but I thought you said, huh? Hatred. I thought you said patriots, like you were teasing me over there. Hatred. Oh, that's a good one, Sam. Hatred. Hatred is at the bottom. And no, by the way, patriots are not at the bottom. I'm just um <laughs> Okay, now we're going on a different track. Okay, hatred, that was right. Sam was awesome. Hatred is at the bottom of the holiness thermometer. Let's think, you know, what else? Anybody else have any ideas? Jealousy. Prejudice. There are, you guys are so good. We know what's at the bottom of the holiness thermometer. We know that's what's way down there. Anything that, that is exactly the opposite of Jesus. If Jesus is at the top of the holiness thermometer, then all that other nasty stuff is at the bottom. And we would love to say that we don't have any of that nastiness in us, right? We would love to say that we don't have any hatred or, or prejudice or selfishness or greed or gossip. Sometimes gossip can be a little bit fun, can't it? It's so tough, you know? Sometimes we participate in it. We would like to think that we don't have any of that stuff that's at the bottom inside of us. But the reality is that we kind of do sometimes, don't we? We kind of have some of that, that hatred and that selfishness that lives inside of us. 
We kind of have some of that greed that lives inside of us. We kind of have some of that gossip and all the exciting part that goes with that gossip. I know I'm not, I don't like gossip and yet sometimes it's a little bit exciting. We all have some of that that lives inside of us. Some of that lives inside of us. And that's why it takes spiritual discipline for us to rise up on that holiness thermometer if we want to get closer and closer to Jesus. If this holiness thermometer is like a scale of how we can get closer and closer to Jesus, then we need to continuously work to put hatred aside. We need to continuously work to put prejudice aside. We need to continuously work to put greed aside. And that gossip, no matter how enticing it might be, we need to work to put that gossip aside. We need to work to put all of that nastiness aside so that we can grow in our holiness and we can become more loving and more and more like Jesus. But that takes discipline. It takes discipline to build our spiritual foundation. It takes discipline to build our holiness. It takes discipline to make sure that we're not letting all that stuff that lives at the bottom of that thermometer, all that stuff that lives inside of all of us, that we don't allow all of that to take root in our lives. But spiritual practice takes discipline. Working on holiness takes discipline. I've heard some Christians say, well, Jesus makes me holy, so I don't need to worry about anything. Yes, that's right. However, let's think about what Dr. Greenwald said. Dr. Greenwald said that we need to do some of that work too, right? We can't expect God to do all the work. We need to do some of the work as well, which means we need to work on our own spiritual disciplines. We need to work on our own spiritual practices to help us to be more like Jesus, more holy, and less like all that junk that sits at the bottom. Anybody else in agreement with me this morning here? Any amens here? Now, friends, let's think about something else. Now, now you know I'm terrible at bringing in, like, what's going on in the world sometimes. I'm really bad at it. But do you know that May is actually Mental Health Month? Thankfully, we have five Sundays in May. So I got one extra Sunday to think a little bit about Mental Health Month. And I, and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about our mental health. And, and mental health and spiritual discipline are almost like two sides of the same coin. If we work on our mental health and if we, we work on improving our spiritual discipline, a lot of times they go hand in hand. Like It's like God wants us to be both spiritually and mentally healthy. God wants us to, to be both spiritually and, and mentally increasing and doing better. Well, I'm going to tell you about somebody named Murray Bowen. Has anybody here heard of Murray Bowen? Anyone? Give me a hand if you have. No? Okay. Has anybody heard? You probably heard me talk about it. Has anybody heard me talk about family systems theory before? There's, okay, now we got some hands. Now, Murray Bowen, he was a medical doctor during World War II. And he was a medical doctor, and then he came home, and he realized that all of the wounds that were harming the soldiers and really haunting the soldiers were not their physical wounds. They could live with their physical wounds. The wounds that were haunting all of the soldiers were their psychological wounds. Those were the ones that were haunting them, what we know now as PTSD and everything of that sort, that those were the, the psychological wounds were the things 
that were haunting the soldiers the most. And so he realized that when he came home that he didn't just want to work on healing people's bodies, but he wanted to help with the soldiers with healing their minds as well. And so he went into the field of psychiatry and he studied psychiatry and he ended up developing what's called family systems theory, a theory that I highly recommend all of us work on. But in this idea of family systems theory, we're going to use my thermometer again. In family systems theory, it basically says that the more differentiated we are, kind of like the holier we are, the better, the healthier we are. What differentiated means is it means that that we understand exactly who we are. And and if I'm differentiated, I know where I am and and where somebody else begins, where I end and somebody else begins. It, It allows me to have less anxiety because I know exactly who I am. And the interesting thing is that Murray Bowen said that the only person who was ever fully differentiated is guess who? Jesus, ah, you guys are so good this morning. I love this. The only one who was ever fully differentiated is Jesus. Think about this week in Bible study. We spent so much time talking about the Trinity. And man, the Trinity, yes, we understand it, but it's also confusing. And yet Jesus knew exactly who he was. Jesus knew exactly who he was, exactly how he was in relationship with God and the Holy Spirit and the rest of us and the earth and and heaven and everything. Jesus knew exactly who he was because Jesus was the most differentiated and all of us are somewhere around there skewed on that thermometer because all of us struggle in our differentiation. We all struggle to know exactly who we are and, and exactly what our limits might be. But Murray Bowen realized that we needed to put discipline into knowing who we are. We needed to put discipline and practice into knowing who we are so that mentally we could heal. We needed to put practice into knowing exactly who we are. We needed to put discipline into our mental health to know exactly who we are. And I'm going to take what Murray Bowen said and go one step further. I think that we don't only need to know who we are, but we need to know whose we are. I think we don't just need to know who we are, but we need to know whose we are because we belong to our loving God. We are all children of a loving God and every single day we need to remember A, who we are and B, whose we are. And that's spiritual discipline. Every day, every day we need to remember whose we are. Every day we need to remember that that we need to strive and have discipline to become more and more like Jesus. Every day we need to ask God to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can become more and more like Jesus. Every day we need to work on our practicing our own mental health so that we can become more and more differentiated. And the more differentiated we become, the more we are like Jesus. We can work on our discipline. Raise your hand for me if you're going to work out this week, if you're going to get some exercise this week. Most of you. We also need to have discipline with our spiritual lives. It's more than just coming to church, though that is step number one, or watching online, step number one. Don't forget about that step. It's more than that. How do we make sure we are so filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? That all that junk at the bottom of the scale doesn't weigh us down. How do we make sure that we are so filled by the power of the Holy Spirit that every day we feel like we are becoming slightly more like Jesus? Not in a way that makes us holier than thou, but in a way that makes us more loving. 
more selfless, more generous, so that every day we become more and more like Jesus. Remember I told you about that, that uh, young man who was drafted to the NFL in that video and all of that joy that I saw as he was just all of his family jumping up and down and he's just crying tears of joy. That's what happens when you have all that physical discipline. What's going to happen when we have lots of spiritual discipline? I just think about that day when we get that phone call, but it's not going to be from some NFL coach, but instead we're going to get a phone call from the kingdom of heaven, and God's going to say, it's time, you're ready. It is time for you to enter the kingdom of heaven, and when that day comes, we are going to be so overfilled with joy. It's going to be like everybody is jumping for joy around us. We can cry tears of joy when it is our time to enter into the kingdom of heaven, and that is what happens when we have spiritual discipline. Spiritual discipline makes us more and more like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but discipline might be a scary thing, but spiritual discipline sounds pretty good to me. Together, we can work on our spiritual discipline. Together, we can grow. Together, we can become more filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and more and more like Jesus. Let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we turn to you, Lord, because we love you and we worship you. We turn to you, Lord, because we want to be more and more like you. Take all the selfishness out of us, Lord. Take all of the greed and the prejudice and the hatred out of us, Lord. Take all of the nastiness and the malice out of us, Lord. And let us be more like Jesus. Fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, and let us be more like you. We pray this in every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For today's offering, there's a basket in the back of the sanctuary where envelopes may be placed. You can also visit the church website at zionucton.com and do giving online, or go to the Breeze app, and you might consider giving a recurring gift online as well. Thank you. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks. Give thanks. 
give thanks. Let us pray together. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away, you give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take away, you give and take away. Will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your glorious name. Amen. And go forth with the blessing of God. Go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all.